Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. This room is full of a bunch of used-to-be's. Used-to-be drug addicts. Am I right about it? Used-to-be drug addicts. Used-to-be gangbangers. Used-to-be dancers. And I ain't talking about dancing with the stars. Used-to-be dancers. The most important thing is used-to-be. That's the most important thing. Now we're in Christ. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are new. It was in Bethany. We're talking about Bethany, the town of Bethany. It was in Bethany in Simon's house. A woman breaks an alabaster cruise of ointment or perfume. It was very expensive perfume. It was worth a whole year's salary. And she breaks open a jar uh, because they didn't come, you know, they didn't come in those days with the screw top. Or, um, you know, with the misty spray or whatever. They, they didn't come like that. They came like in a jar that, that if you want to get it out, you needed to break it. Well, this woman, she took this jar uh, of, of expensive perfume and she breaks the jar. And all of a sudden, the fragrance of the perfume fills the room and, and, and the sweet fragrance changes the atmosphere of the room there is a sermon in there the sweet fragrance of the perfume changes the atmosphere of the room you know the story she pours it over jesus head and she's happy to do it and she pours the whole thing she pours it over his head and it runs down his face it runs down his beard it runs down his clothes and of course it smells up the whole house and 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 she didn't put a little dab behind his ears you know Expensive perfume, you don't pour it out. <laughs> Amen. You, you know, you, y'all ladies know what I'm talking about. You take a little dab, you take a little dab, spray a little dab, spray a little dab. Some of y'all put a little dab right here, a little dab right there, just in case somebody will be smelling your wrist, which is weird. But okay, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it. I'm not going no further, don't you? Okay, weird, 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 but you put it right here. And she didn't put a little dab, like a little dab, but do you? No, she didn't do that. She poured the entire thing over Jesus. And can you imagine the fragrance? And Judas, remember the story. Judas said that was a waste. You could have got a lot of money for that perfume. And Jesus looked at Judas and said, Judas, you're a waste. Because... Jesus called Judas the son of perdition. The word perdition means waste. Jesus said, you're a waste. And the reason Judas felt it was a waste is because people who don't love God or understand the things of God will always think serving God and worshiping God and giving God is giving to God is a waste. But 
just by round of applause, how many in this room know that worship is never a waste? <laughs> worship is never a waste. It's never a waste. Giving is never a waste. Serving is never a waste. Well, we got to move on. Look at verse 30, 31. Jesus told the disciples three things. Verse 30, 31 wraps up in three, three, three statements. Where to go, what to do, and what to say. Where to go, what to do, and what to say. Where to go, to the village opposite. What to do, get a donkey, a colt that had never been ridden. What to say. If anybody asks, you tell them the Lord has need of it. Now listen, the donkey was a good ride for luggage, but not for people. The donkey was a beast of burden. Luke 19, we're reading here in Mark chapter 11, tell us that it was never used. Now listen quick, saints. In the Old Testament, anything offered to God for sacred or holy purposes was never to be used. Never used for labor, which tells us the Lord only uses the new, the fresh. Remember? Fresh manna every day. He uses things that have never been used for anything else. He uses small things, little things, insignificant things, but never leftover things. Don't expect God to do much with your leftovers. The disciples did exactly as Jesus asked and found the donkey. And as they were loosing the donkey, the owners came out and said, why are you loosing the donkey? And they said, because the Lord has need of it. Now, listen, Jesus didn't need it because he was tired of walking. Keep in mind, he traveled on foot from Galilee to Bethany. He certainly could have walked two or three more miles. Jesus needed it. Got your pen? He needed it to simply fulfill Bible prophecy. Which brings us to this question. Why did Jesus want a donkey that has never been ridden? Well, two main reasons. Number one, take, take notes, to fulfill Bible prophecy. Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, and shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, you, your king is coming to you. He's just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. Zechariah 9.9 is prophetic of the Messiah who would ride in Jerusalem. And then Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, the prince, there shall be 70 weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troubled times. Leave that verse there for a second if you wouldn't mind. The command, <clears throat> pardon me. The command that Daniel is referring to is found in Nehemiah chapter 2 to rebuild and restore Jerusalem, which was issued. And this is very important. This command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem was issued on March 14th, 445 B.C. March 14th, 445 B.C. Now, if you've been here at Calvary Chapel, you know exactly where I'm going, but just hang on. March 14th, 445 B.C., using the Jewish lunar calendar, if you hit your clicker, if you had a clicker in your hand, and you hit your clicker, 173,880 days, the count will bring you to 
April 6, 32 AD. April 6, 32 AD is the day that we have in front of us, the day of the triumphal entry of Jesus in Jerusalem. April 6, 32 AD is the formal presentation of Jesus being their Messiah. And another, listen to me, another significant something happened on that day. This is also the day that Jesus is heading up the Mount of Olives and he stops dead in his tracks and he starts weeping over the city. Get it in your mind's eye, saints. Jesus is walking up the Mount of Olives. He stops dead in his tracks. He turns around. He looks over the city of Jerusalem and the Bible says that he then says in Matthew chapter 27, verses 37 through 39, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus starts weeping and convulsing. Are y'all getting this? He's looking over the city and he starts weeping and convulsing. And when the Bible says he's weeping, it doesn't mean he's weeping like you got like a tear coming out and a tear here and a little bit. It's not. No, he is convulsively weeping, like sobbing, like shoulder shaking sobbing over Jerusalem. And the reason Jesus is so brokenhearted is because they don't know their Bibles. There's a sermon in there as well. They don't know their Bibles. They don't know that the man, listen, they don't know that the man on the donkey was the Messiah. They should have known. They should have known Zechariah 9. They should have known Daniel chapter 25, all prophesying that the Messiah would come in Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And because they did not know the scriptures, Jesus is weeping because they're missing their day of visitation. So Jesus then, while standing on the mountain, overlooking the city of Jerusalem, prophesying their destruction... He's looking down through the course of time to AD 70 when the Roman general Titus Vespasian and his troops come storming into Jerusalem and they burn the city with fire. They burn the temple and they take the temple apart brick by brick. And with the fire, you know, in the temple, there was a lot of gold. We had the golden lampstand. You had the, the, the uh, table of showbread. There was a lot of gold inside the temple. And so when they burned the gold, they burned the temple. All the gold begins to melt inside the cracks, inside the cracks of the, of the temple, inside the stone. And so the Romans then take the temple apart stone by stone stone by stone, and they scrape all the gold, and they destroy the temple, and they destroy the city of Jerusalem. And Jesus is weeping because prophetically, through the quarters of time, God help me, 
through the course of time, in his mind, he can see people weeping and children crying and mothers are dead in the streets and fathers are dead in the streets and, 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 and bloodshed. Jesus said, this was your day of visitation, the day the Messiah comes. And because you didn't know your Bibles, this is what happened. Destruction. Look at verse 36 through 38. This is a very dramatic scene. As Jesus is riding into the city of Jerusalem and people are throwing their clothes on the road and praising and rejoicing and saying, blessed is he is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Matthew 21 tells us they were saying Hosanna, which means save now. So put it together. Matthew 21 and Luke 19, they're saying Hosanna, save now. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, this is the first time that Jesus allows a public presentation of himself. Jesus doesn't usually allow this type of recognition. Why? Because of timing. God, listen to me, saints. God does everything in timing. God is a God of time. Everything in God's time. If we could get a hold of that, our lives would be a whole lot simpler. Am I right about it? God does everything in timing, just timing. It's a time and a season. I actually wrote that, and then I went to Ecclesiastes, and I read, it's a time and a season of everything. There's a time for war, there's a time for peace, there's a time to plant, there's a time to go. There's a time for everything. And God does everything based on timing. Remember John 2, the wedding at Cana. They ran out of wine, which was pretty embarrassing. And Mary comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, we've run out of wine. And Jesus said, what have I to do with thee? Then he said, my hour has not yet come. Are you listening? My hour has not yet come. Over and over in the scriptures we hear, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. And then finally, in John chapter 17, Jesus says, my hour has come. Finally, in John 17, when Jesus talks about the hour, he's not talking about 60 minutes. He's talking about the hour of his crucifixion. He's talking about the time that he will be lifted up on the cross. We have to understand that the crucifixion of Jesus was no accident or misfortune. It was a perfect harmony and a total agreement between the Godhead. Jesus willingly went to the cross. John 10, 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. And I have power, talking about his life, to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Jesus would not go to the cross one minute before God the Father said, It's time. The hour has come. So Jesus is riding in the Jerusalem. Are y'all with me? And the hour has come. There's a crowd lining both sides of the road, and there's a mixture of faces. Get this in your mind's eye. Jesus is riding in Jerusalem, and there's a crowd of people on the left. And there's a crowd of people on the right. And Jesus is riding on a donkey and and he's riding slowly. Donkeys don't move that fast. And he looks to the left. And I, I would bet you in my sanctified imagination, every person that Jesus has touched has come out to see him. 
I would think he'd ride by and he'd see maybe to his left blind Bartimaeus. And then maybe he'd look to his right and he would see Zacchaeus and maybe the leper. And then maybe look to the left and see Jairus' daughter who is back from the dead and Lazarus. Lazarus is probably standing right next to her and maybe they're talking about what it was like to be dead for a few minutes. And, 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 he, and he looks to the left and he sees Mary and Martha. And then, of course, the, the Romans are there. Remember, there's a great crowd of people. The Romans are there ready to crush any uprising. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are giving Jesus the side eye. And many people are there crying and cheering and spreading their clothes. And I'm confident that the crowd is getting bigger and bigger. And I'm sure all the Jesus' enemies were there as well. Remember... He's on Israel's most wanted list. Despite all of his goodness, despite the fact that he's healed, despite the fact that he's forgiven, despite the fact that he's opened the eyes of the blind, despite the fact that he's cleansed the leper and made the lame to walk, Jesus walked. Jesus was a hated man, hated by rulers, hated by authorities, hated by religious folk. And to this day, I cannot understand why people have a problem with Jesus. What has he done to you? But sought to bless you. Jesus said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. To whom the Son sets free is free indeed. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. God wants to bless you. God wants to be a blessing to your life. And he wants to make your life better better. What is the problem with Jesus? What has he done to you to make you so mad or make you so angry? Or why do people hate him so much? What has he done? All he's done is forgiven people and healed people and made people who couldn't walk, walk and made people who couldn't see, see again. But people hate Jesus. Why? Why? Jesus is a good man and a good God. Am I right about it? A good man and a good God. I will never understand that. So Jesus carefully, according to prophecy, plans his entry into Jerusalem on a donkey and an animal of peace, which is a huge message. And the message is this. Here is your king. I come in peace and love. Receive me. But the interesting thing is because this same crowd that is crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now. They wanted Jesus to overthrow the Roman government politically and economically. Didn't want Jesus to save them from their sins. And when they realized that Jesus didn't come to free them from the Roman oppression, these same people that are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, are the same people that in five days, count them, five days, will be saying, crucify him, crucify him. That's why I tell you, don't let people gas you up. Am I right about it? Say, don't do it. Oh, you so wonderful. You are so wonderful. You are so wonderful. You are so wonderful. Everything you do is so wonderful. You're just the greatest. You're the greatest. By golly, you're the greatest. You're great. Thanks. Thanks. I tell you what. Give those same people about five days. They'll be saying, crucify him, crucify him. I can't stand him. He think he all that. He think he all that. I don't like him no way. I never did. 
I mean, just a couple days ago, you were loving me. Now you don't like me. See, people are fickle. That's why you don't let people boast in you. Our boasting should be in the Lord. Am I right? Our boasting should be in the Lord. People boast in you. Don't let it happen because it'll turn on you. Jesus is riding down the Hosanna Road in Jerusalem, and uh, there was a big difference in what people saw and what Jesus saw. The people saw Jesus entering in splendor to take the throne. Jesus entered in with a humble spirit to accept his fate. The people could smell victory in the air. Jesus tasted suffering and death. The people thought that he was the man of the hour. Jesus knew that his hour to die had come. And think about this. How different Israel's life. I'm coming in for a landing. Listen. How different Israel's life would have been if they had received their day of visitation. How different their history would have been if they recognized Jesus when he rode in on a donkey that day. And what is true of Israel is true for you and me as well. How different your life would be if you recognized your day of visitation. I said, listen, God is a God of timing. Everything that God does is based on time. There is a time, a day of visitation, a time in which every single person knows without a doubt God becomes so real. And I I really believe this because God gives every man on the planet an opportunity to come to him. Now, how he does that with the pygmies in Africa, I don't know. Don't ask me. People always say that. Well, what about the pygmies in Africa? I don't know about the pygmies. I don't even know a pygmy in Africa. And neither do you. I'm talking to you. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. God gives every single man and woman an opportunity to come to know him. And he does that a very various ways. He touches your heart when God's word is speaking. I really believe that when God's word is being spoken in clarity and truth to this book. Not a lot of the weirdness stuff that you hear, but in truth. God knows how to take this word and knock on the door of your heart. Now, it might not sound like that, but there's something in your heart that just goes, ow. Or, that's true. Or, man, how did he know that? It's like, was he talking to my wife? (laughs) No, I don't even know you. Who are you? Who is your wife? I don't know you. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. That, that, yeah, well, yeah, that really touched me, right? Yeah, I get it. That's your day of visitation. That is when the Holy Spirit is speaking loudest to you. And that, my friend, listen, I'm on my way out the door. Got one more service, done. Listen, that's when you ought to respond. Because Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hears my voice and opens the door of their heart, he will come into them and he will live in them and he will dine with them and take up residence in them. That's your day of visitation. We learn from Genesis that God's spirit will not always strive with man. 
God will not always wait on you. Listen, you have heard the gospel and you have heard the gospel. My question to you is, have you responded to the gospel? I mean, really, you might have been brought up in church. My grandmother been taking me to church since I was eight years old. I've been sitting on the front row since I was eight years old. Great. That's awesome. But do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? To every single person under the sound of my voice, including you that's watching us by Facebook, do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you given your life to Christ? I mean, really, giving your life to Christ. Not saying, well, I believe in God. Yeah, the devils believe and they tremble. But have you made a commitment to Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, to take over your life, that you've made a, you've trusted him with your heart, you've given him your heart? Have you done that? Because that's your day of visitation. When God says, today is a day of salvation, not tomorrow. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.